Hello, spreaders. It's me, Kaz, and welcome to the spread. How do you guys feel about episodes coming out every other week, or would you prefer them weekly? Consider this a poll. Let me know what you want, as I am here to oblige. Email us on host at thespreadpodcast.com or DM us on any of our social themes. We're at the spread pod across the board. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say two things. One, the Cannes Film Festival was absolutely everything. Like, everything. I was so honored to have been on the red carpet at the launch of the film Rafiki that was directed by the ever so amazing Winnery Kahio. Please, can we give her a round of applause? Such a great film with a brilliant cast, crew, and the soundtrack, my gosh, is out of this world. It's available on iTunes, so feel free to head on there and listen to those musical gems. Wanuri, the spread is behind you and everything you do all the way, 100%. And by the way, guys, while you're scrolling those musical interwebs, please don't forget to subscribe to The Spread Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud and Google Play and feel free to leave us a review please we need those reviews so that we can stay top of the charts secondly the spread live is back that was my little Oprah moment it's on Wednesday the 30th of May at 6.30pm at Ikigai off General Mathenge Drive. Please follow us on Instagram. We're going to be posting the map of how to get there. Alternatively, you can just type Ikigai onto your Google Maps and it will direct you directly to the place where the Spread Live will be hosted. Please go to mymook.com to get your tickets now. Advanced tickets are only 500 shillings. Our guest host for the show is Cheeky and we'll be talking about everything from sex being an addiction in this day and age whether or not oral is a must and at what point do you draw the line when it comes to sex play of course we will have a your question answered segment where we get to pick from our fuck it your anonymous questions and we get everyone in the room to chip in on what they think would be their opinion on maneuvering your said problem so get your tickets now we only have 80 tickets available as the space is small and limited we look forward to seeing you head over to my MOOC now now no 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 mymook.com now get your tickets now on to our podcast for today i don't want to say much as the podcast speaks for itself our topic being abortions guys a little nervous yeah a little bit it's the first time it's your first time what in front of a microphone yeah doing a podcast a recording well same here so i'm gonna ease you into it it's gonna be fun but ladies and gentlemen (laughs) please uh welcome lillian and pauline into the studio maybe you guys can tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do oh hi everyone my name is lillian i work for pinkshoes.org in africa so Pink Shoes is an online platform that provides information to women around the world on safe abortion and in specific medical abortion. So we talk to women about what to, what kind of abortions there are, 
but mainly if you decide to choose to go with medical abortion, we give information on whether it's the right um, choice for you. We give information on um, what, how to prepare yourself. We give information on the procedures, the kind of medical abortion that are available, how to take the pills, you know, procedure by procedure, what to expect afterwards, and even how to access the pills because we have partners. We also offer online classes to service providers so that they give the right services to the women that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So basically that's us. And you find us online on our website. We have other online platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lillian. Um, I have a few questions for you about that, but um, maybe you could just introduce yourself to us, Pauline, as well. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having us. Um, so my name is Pauline, and I work for safetochoose.org um, on the African continent. So Safe to Choose is also a website. Uh, it's been launched in 2015. And what we do is basically we connect women with information uh, on safe abortion with pills. And we also counsel the woman. So um, if you go on our website, you'll see a little chat box and you can speak to counselors on medical abortion subject. Uh, and from there, we'll guide you and decide what the best option is for you. Uh, and if you go for a medical abortion, uh, then we'll facilitate um, the access to the service with you. Um, so, yeah, we've been on the here for, for two years, but we've had already like a lot of visit on our website. So more than 1.6 million last year. Um, there's about 200,000 Facebook fans. So wow. it just shows that there's a lot of demand for this, a lot of question and the need for information is definitely there. Oh, so this talk about medical abortion is, I feel, new, and it may be something that a lot of women are not aware about. As far as I think I'm speaking for a large number of people, majority of our listeners are actually very young, um, out of high school, into college. And I mean, this kind of information is not accessible to them because they're not learning this in school. They're definitely not being taught these things at home. So maybe we could just start by saying, by defining actually what an abortion is and then going on to talk about what a safe abortion is and then the different kinds. Okay. Um, thank you, Kaz. But before we go to that, okay. I, I see they come from pinkshoes.org, but uh, I'll need to clarify that that is the code that we use to get into a website. Um, for to get into a website, you, you can use pinkshoes.org or you can use howtoseabortionpeel.org. Okay, got it. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm actually going to tag all of these links at the bottom so that um, anybody who would like to go directly to the website can do so. Just click at the bottom of the link, at right. the bottom of, in the description box, sorry. Great, yeah. thank <laughs> you. So um, the definition that we use for abortion is the one that is provided for WHO. And basically, it's the termination of a pregnancy, of unwanted pregnancy. And um, it can either be done surgically or it can be done using a pill. And that is what we call medical abortion. The pill. Using a pill. Got it. So, and there are two types of medical abortions. You can either use a set of 12 pills uh, in a brand called miso misoprostol, or you can use a combination of misoprostol and mifepristone. So for this one, you use one mifepristone pill and four misoprostol pills. 
So you either go for, you can get, go for either of them, but uh, mostly this is determined by what is available in your country and what is registered in your country. Because um, medical abortion is a very touchy, abortion is a very touchy issue in most of the countries. So you'll find that um, some, of the, uh, some of the drugs uh, that are used, or the, rather the pills that are used for abortion are not registered in your country. For example, you have a country where misoprostol is very common because it's, uh, it's used for, to treat other things like ulcers. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, so a woman can go to a chemist or a pharmacy and access misoprostol for ulcers and use it for medical abortion. But now for mifepristone, mm -hmm. the combination that I talked about of misoprostone and uh, mifepristone, that is a bit rare. And in some countries, it's actually very restricted. For example, there's a case uh, in Kenya whereby a brand of uh, the combination pack called Medabon was banned. So that tells you that it's less accessible compared to the misoprostone alone. Okay. Yeah. And what about our... Uh, so the pills that you're talking about, are these just usually readily available here in Nairobi, like over the counter, or how are people, how do people have access to those? Um, yeah, so as, as Lillian was just saying, so misoprostol is very easy to find because it's being used in uh, other, um, other like, treatment. Yeah. yeah. So ulcers is one, but it's also used in, in like... Um, um, well, post-abortion care, but induce inducement of uh, pregnancy or delivery as well, and postpartum hemorrhage. You can definitely find it um, everywhere. Uh, very available, actually very cheap as well. Um, and it's also very easy to use, actually. Um, the lowest like skill, trade and medical staff can use it. Um, and that's why Pink Shoes will talk a little bit more about the course that they are um, doing. But there have been so many studies um, in Nepal, for example. There's one that we read recently. They were saying that 98% um, success rate was um, happening in women that went to get the pills through a pharmacist and then use it themselves. So the problem is that sometimes when they get it themselves, they don't have the right information. So that's why Pink Shoes is here. We're here as well to help them with our counselors, uh, just to make sure that they follow the protocol. Because as long as you follow the protocol, it's just super safe. Okay. So before we talk a little bit more about the details of the medical abortion, I'm actually very interested to know why you guys do what you do. Like, why are you here? Why are you doing this work? So, I mean, you know, when you, when you start working in this job, people usually expect you to have gone through an abortion and be like, oh, that's why you're personally attached to it. But you don't necessarily have to. Um, you know, you can just... It's a, the right to health is a human right. And obviously, women's body are being controlled by men. And I mean, we've seen that recently with what's happening in the US, for example. And we've like one of the first image that we've had from um, President Trump's uh, like first rule that he reinstated was the global gag rule. And it was basically this picture of a bunch of men around a table signing a law that was controlling women's body all over the world. So it's just, uh, it's just about equality, fairness, and women accessing their rights. And I think I like the, the boldness of the subject, you know, the fact that it's still so far and there's so much to do uh, on this subject and uh, that there's a lot of debate around it and it's a lot about opening people's minds and 
hopefully in the next uh, few years, decades, uh, we wouldn't need to have this at all. But yeah, that's that's why I'm doing it. Um, maybe Lillian, you can share with me why you're so passionate about this project. Yeah, um, I can't really put a pen on to when this started being a thing for me, but um, I've always had very strong um, opinions and uh, beliefs on women's rights. And um, my first encounter with safe abortion was in high school when I lost a classmate. And it was a very sad thing because this was an A student, a very bright girl. And I mean, one holiday she went home for her holidays and next thing we're hearing, she's normal. And later on we came to learn that uh, she had had an unsafe abortion. And um, I think the mom had taken her to an unqualified person and uh, for me, that was a, a turning point. But I never thought about it until um, when Kenya was discussing the constitution, uh, the one that was passed in 2010, and abortion came up as a contentious issue. And I started doing my research, just trying to understand, why is this such a contentious issue? Why is it that there is so much interest in a woman's reproductive health? Why is it that we are not discussing any laws on you know, on men's reproductive organs? Why is it that the woman's body and her womb has become such a, a topic? Political. Yeah, a political. Subject. Exactly. <laughs> and it got me thinking that, I mean, a woman should make the final decision about her body because when there are all these other voices that are coming in and telling you, oh, this is how you should have sex, you know, all this politicization, politicization of a woman's body, it really got 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 me because I, I I did not understand why um I mean there are so many other things that people can make laws on but why is it that issues on women always have to be such a contentious topic so but for the longest time I I, I wasn't actually even working on sexual reproductive health rights but I was working in the field of women rights mostly doing a lot of trainings and facilitations focused on women in uh, political governance and funny thing is that sexuality always came up, you know, and there are all these topics and sometimes you don't even border on abortion and people will be saying, oh, you know, um, I mean, abortion is used as a political weapon. If people know that you've had a termination, that can be used against you. And even when you've not even had a termination, it will still be used against you. It's the one thing that when you say about a woman, it becomes such a big deal that she's not elected into a political position. So um, when this opportunity of providing information, and this is um, verified information about um, abortion and medical abortion in specific came up, I, I was very excited because I felt like this would be an opportunity to reach all these women that I've been talking to, all these women that I've been having dialogues with. And you know, seeing that I also went to a public university in Africa and saw what women were going through trying to um, procure abortions. I, I felt like maybe I should be um, part of the community that is providing um, safe information, um, or I mean information on safe abortion. And first of all, to make, it, to make it clear that in most of the countries in Africa, abortion is actually not illegal. But Now there's something. <laughs> yes. A lot of people think it's illegal, but there's a difference between it being illegal and it being legally restricted. Okay. Yeah. What are what are the laws in Kenya, for example? Well, first of all, we have the Constitution of Kenya. 
which legally restricts abortion, but it's not, it doesn't say that what it's does illegal. legally restricting it mean? It means that there are exceptions that have been provided by the law. Okay. Meaning that um, in Article 26.4, uh, it says that um, abortion is allowed on the opinion of a medical professional if the, uh, the health of a woman is in danger or um, she cannot have, she cannot not carry the baby to term. You know? Okay. And then, if any other law allows it, meaning that if a law like Maputo Protocol allows for, you know, for, for abortion um, to, to, I mean, because it has, it also has a scope on how, when abortion is allowed. If we decide that we have domesticated the Maputo Protocol with the relevant clause on abortion, then it means that if that law comes later after the constitution, then that can be accommodated and domesticated. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, but unfortunately, a lot of women do not understand this. So you'll find that a woman is covered by the law, but she will still not go to a health um, practitioner. Yeah, health practitioner to get a safe abortion. And I think, other than just feeling the, other than just saying that a woman should have a choice, we should also be focusing on filling that information gap that I think has existed for a very long time because we had very punitive laws on abortion before the 2010 constitution. The penal code was very punitive, whereby, um, I mean, a, a woman who procured an abortion or anyone who aided a woman in procuring an abortion would serve a jail term. And, and I mean, oh. yeah, we've had a nurse um, being jailed for 10 years until his uh, case was dismissed for uh, I mean, in Kenya, that is, for um, assisting a woman to, actually, she was not even assisting her. She went, she had started uh, procuring abortion by herself, rushed to his clinic, but he couldn't when, help her. When you mean she was procuring an abortion by herself? She had started terminating she, back at home. What was she, do you know what she was doing? I'm not sure what she had used, but there's a, little, a, a lot of cases where women go to quacks or they are, they, they are advised on other unsafe... How to do it themselves. Yeah, how to do it themselves uh, using very unsafe methods. So when the process starts but uh, the termination is not complete, usually they, they can go to a healthcare provider. So the, 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 the woman did that back before the new constitution and uh, the nurse could not help her. So what happened is that uh, the nurse decided to transport her to the nearest clinic and she died in his car. And the guy was arrested for simply helping the woman. And uh, I mean, 10 years later, that's when he was released because there was no evidence that he was actually trying oh to help her. So we are happy that in the now the 2010 constitution, I mean, it's supreme to the penal code, which has not yet been revised, but at least we are seeing that um, these restrictions, the legal restrictions, some of them have been dropped. And now, um, uh, in a country like Kenya, in a country like uh, Uganda, and other countries across Africa, we, we, we are seeing the, the Maputo Protocol playing a very import, important role, whereby uh, a country like Ethiopia, you'll find that uh, if a woman is raped, she can um, get a safe abortion. She can even walk into any clinic, and she doesn't need to provide evidence. So you see that provides uh, for a very safe environment for a woman who has been raped or who has, uh, if it's a case of incest, for her to get a safe abortion if that is a choice that they want to make. So basically, we have laws in the continent that 
are giving the woman a bit of liberty, but the problems comes now when uh, the, 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 the political class has to domesticate these laws because um, when, when, when they're, they're even signing some of these laws, like the Maputa Protocol, some of them, like in Uganda and Kenya, they put, res they put a reservation, that clause that speaks to abortion, that clause that speaks to issues of abortion in case of a, a rape, they put a restriction to that. So those are the things that um, are affecting us. But even in the environment that we have right now, I think there's a lot of, uh, they, we have been provided with the opportunity to give women a lot of information that can save a lot of lives that are being lost due to lack of knowledge and information. Oh, thank you. I just, I just wanted to yeah, jump on that. And so everything that Lillian said is, is true. And governments on this continent, uh, mainly but in a lot of places, they, they keep the line very blurry just so that, you know, they kind of um, like accept and sign the Maputo Protocol or any international treaty, but then they like don't really implement it. They, they stay within the legality, but no one knows about it. None of the women know they're right. So like in Kenya, for example, the constitution says that, yeah, it, if it's going to impact the health of the mother, I mean, the patient, the, the woman. So how, but what is exactly, you know, what is the risk that, to your health? Like if you look at the WHO definition of, like the health, like it could be financial, physical, mental, like psychological, financial. So there's so many reasons. Um, and it's all according to the provider's opinion. So you will be the one kind of decided if it's worth worthy of an abortion or not. So um, and it's, it's a lot of pressure on the provider. And then if they're against abortion, obviously, women can't really uh, access their right. And it makes this really weird like situation because in Kenya, for example, there's um, no one knows about their right, right? And as Lillian said, the penal code is still saying uh, that abortion is not legal. So that at a police level, which they know the penal code more than the constitution, then for them, they're still going to prosecute like an abortion because mm -hmm. it hasn't been changed. And they can still like show you the penal code and like, oh, no, look, it's not it's it's not allowed here. Mm. And, and so then it leads to, yeah, to really weird situation because the, um, the post-abortion care in Kenya is legal. So basically what it says is that women are not allowed to access abortion services, but they're allowed to access post-abortion services. So it basically pushes them to go to quacks. Uh, or the government is kind of turning uh, like a blind eye on the fact that abortion is actually happening. For them, allowing post-abortion care means that there's only spontaneous abortion, which we call miscarriages. But like induced abortion are not really happening for them. And it's, it's not a reality. Of course, they're happening. And it increases so much the cost on the country um, to treat those post-abortion care because there's so many complications from infection and hemorrhage and... And, and without providing the care at the beginning of this process, then it means that there's an extra cost. There was actually an article in Kenya recently that we are, um, I mean, Kenya is spending more than five, uh, let's say $5 million um, or 533 million shilling, right? That should be approximate. Um, and it's just on, on paying the services of post-abortion care. And that is money that is, paid, that is used to pay health worker and the, the medical supply. And that's increasing. It's more than a few years ago. And all this money, like the WHO actually um, 
gives kind of an average of what the government should be spending on each of the people in their country per year. And it's about uh, $35 that they should be spending in Kenya. And that basically, that's the amount that they're spending only on post-abortion care. So if they were providing abortion and not having all this complication to pay for, like we, like Kenya would costs. save a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's in all the, the African country. Yeah. Uh, keeping this blurry line is, I don't know who it's... It's costing. It's, it's, not it's benefiting costing. Anyone. It's, it's benefiting people that are, that are anti-abortion, yeah. and probably religious groups and governments. Yeah. So but we're going to get into that, especially the discussions about religion. But like, um, I just want to make it clear that the reason that we're having this discussion in the first place is because we're trying to destigmatize the conversations around abortions. And then we're also trying to create a safe environment for women to be able to have these abortions because, like you were saying, Lillian, your friend in high school um, lost her life during an unsafe practice. And this is very common. We've heard the stories over and over about girls being... Uh, you know, drinking concentrated orange juice or using hangers, like shoving hangers up their vaginas and all of these different methods um, in which they're using to have abortions. So these things are happening. These things are very prevalent, especially in rural Kenya and in high schools, all of these young girls. So the I think it's very important for us to point out that the reason that we're having this conversation is because at the end of the day, it's saving lives. And the more information that we're allowing young people to access or the more knowledge they have, knowledge is power. This is the reason why women wouldn't be empowered. They wouldn't be given this kind of information because um, it's, again, it's, it's very political. It's a very sexist stat status. So uh, what do you have to say about like the religious point of view or the, so to speak, pro-life, pro-choice conversation. <laughs> I, it's really annoying for me. I'm just like, at what point is the whole government coming to tell me what I can do with my body? So I let Lilia answer a little bit on that, but I just want to come back on just the vocabulary that we're using. So um, people that are pro-abortion, they call themselves pro-choice, and then people that are against abortion, they call this pro-life. So it's a bit of a, of a debate there because pro-life, you know, they're saying they say saving the life of the baby, but are they really pro-life when they're actually putting the woman at risk? Like they're not pro-life for the woman because those women have made a decision and they are going to get the services no matter what. So, and they're going to put their life at risk. And I mean, they're also saying that when you restrict the laws, you're going to reduce the, the number of abortion in a country. And that's, that's not true. Uh, like, it's actually, there, there's numbers that prove that there's the same amount of abortion in country where it's legal and in country where it's not legal. So, yeah, it's just the only difference is that in country where it's legal, it's only safe abortion procedures that are being uh, performed and and yeah and the rest is only unsafe and obviously it's on like the other the the main continent in latin america asia africa where all the unsafe abortion are happening um so obviously that's one of the big myths that if you restrict uh you're going to reduce the number of abortion but that's not true uh, this this has nothing to do with what we're talking about but <laughs> it's the same way like like the Kenyan government has decided that if they legalize same-sex practices, that everybody is going to be gay. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's it's so crazy because um, 
most of these decisions that are being made about um, issues of sexual reproductive health rights, they're not based on data. They are just... It's just opinion-based. Yeah, and, and, and actually that brings me now to your question on religion. Because I, I feel like um, in maybe in most of the, the continents where we are very in influenced by our religion, we tend to answer a lot of uh, contentious questions using our religion rather than looking at the real situations on the ground. And um, I'll give you a very good example where religion is very, um, is very influential in matters of abortion, and that is the country of Senegal. In Senegal, um, just like most uh, countries in Africa, abortion is allowed to save the, health, to save the mother, the health of, in, in case the, mother, the health of a mother is in danger. But before you can get this service, you need the opinion of three doctors. And one of these doctors has to be certified by the court. So you can imagine you are, say, one month pregnant, right? And uh, this woman has to make this decision. So you go to the first doctor, and he has to agree. Second doctor has to agree. Then the third doctor has to be one of the doctors who have been approved by the court. Once they agree, that is when you can get the procedure done. So, um, and, of and that, hoping that this all happens in a timely manner, obviously, because there's a time restriction to I, when I, you can. Those are just some of the, um, I don't know what to call them, uh, just some of the tactics that are used to prevent the woman from accessing the mm. service. Because um, a lot of women, I mean, they can't even afford to follow that procedure. It's, it's too long, it's too costly, and you're thinking of a vulnerable woman. Because uh, let's speak the truth. Um, if you're rich and you're a woman of means, you can access abortion anytime in a yeah. private clinic. They'll give it a fancy name, but at the end of the day, you'll access what you want. But now when you're a vulnerable woman, you cannot access these services. And even the fact that you're not, you don't even know the procedures to follow, that will take you a lot of time. So like in Senegal, now where, where I'm talking about the religion, Islamic religion is very strong. And there's one section whereby um, the laws are so restrictive such that it's, they are governed by their own laws. So you find that um, once a woman is, is known to have procured an abortion, first of all, because the family does not want to, 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 to face stigma, you're going to be disowned by your own family. You have shamed them. You have gone against the religion. So what a lot of women now are doing is that um, once you realize that you're pregnant and getting an abortion is very hard, they wait until they're able to give birth, then they kill the baby. You're kidding me. Yes, that is happening a lot in Senegal. And um, if you are known to have done that or um, had an abortion, you are arrested, so there's a jail in Senegal, that is just for women who have uh, uh, procured an abortion or, you know, um, terminated the, uh, the the life of now the fully, you know, the, the the full pregnancy at the towards the end once the the birth has already taken place. So, and this is because of the religion. There's so much stigma. There's so much backlash. There is just so much influence. Um, the, even when the laws allow you, the religion is too restrictive such that women are not able to get the kind of services that they want. And this is not just in, uh, in Senegal. 
it's happening across the, the African continent and even in Latin America, we see a lot of conversation because of you know the the, the, the Catholic Church and uh, I mean you, you, having this conversation is very very hard. So if you're a woman and you want to make this choice for whatever reason, whether it is for in, in the legal context or based on your choice, abortion is legal, like in South Africa. There's a lot of restrictions based on religion. And you, and you find even um, where women know where the clinics are, they don't go because they fear the, the religious backlash. I mean, it's even- the equivalent of people um, with picket signs outside. It, um, what is it called? Family? Plant, 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 parenthood. plant parenthood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in South Africa, I mean, 50% of the abortion are still unsafe, even though it's legal in the country. Wow. But women Cause don't. Because of fear. Yeah, and they the fear. And they don't it. know. And you see all those posters actually everywhere. Like, oh, safe abortion through, like, cheap abortion here, call this number. And mm -hmm. it's, it's always quacks. Yeah. yeah. So they, they just don't know their right. And as Lillian was saying, even in country where it's legal, um, there's there's those invisible barrier as we call so it's adding delays or adding a second opinion and in the end like women are pushed over the limit and they can't even access the service anymore there's a lack of clinic as well I mean in the US you know some women have to travel two days to go to go to a clinic in South Africa is the same they, they have to take days off like what if you already have kids what do you do you need to take a day off from work who's going to take care of your kids and then you go and then the provider tells you oh you you actually need to come back you need to think about your decision when you already know what you want and, and all of this at cost. And obviously, it's mostly on the lower income uh, yeah. population, as usual. So, yeah, even that's why that's why pink shoes and safe shoes are here as well, to try and help, you know, guide the woman, counsel, be an option um, to, yeah, an alternative to what is already there. So with the religious leaders, I, I mean, it's it's very easy to say, yes, religious leaders have their own opinion and they, you know, they would much rather things like these didn't happen. But the reality, reality, reality of it is um, that somebody is actually telling you that um, the life of a child begins at conception. So already somebody is talking you out of it because they're, they're anti-abortion. So their conversation with you is that you're killing a human life. How do you start to walk away from conversations like that, knowing full well you've already made the decision that you want, that you no longer want to, to, to carry the pregnancy to full term? Well, I mean, I think the best way is science, right? First of all, um, well, abortion is also called like plan C sometimes because it's kind of an extension of the birth control, right? Um, and and you just use facts like people say yeah the the fetus is gonna hurt you know if you do an abortion but the like neurological system actually only starts after the second trimester so it's 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 just uh, it's a cell you know so you look at you look at the science and and the life doesn't start um before and i mean that's why we do celebrate the birthday when when you're born right not when you're conceived <laughs> yeah happy conception day exactly why not <laughs> they should start that bit um so uh, uh, let me just add something to that okay i, I think that one of the questions that we we'll ask is would a fetus be able to survive outside the, the human body yeah body mm. 
So if this woman, for whatever reason, whether she's high is in danger or whatever reason, if she decides to terminate, I mean, if she decides not to terminate and her health is in danger, for example, will the fetus continue living because the mother, you, you're trying to save the, the, the fetus life? Mm. That, that cannot happen. Okay. So I think um, we, we're not saying that, I mean, people should understand that pro-choice means that you're giving the woman the opportunity to make a choice about her reproductive health, her reproductive system, when or not to give birth. So, and by pro-choice, we mean that if a woman comes to you and she needs to make this choice, I mean, whether she wants to terminate or she wants to carry the pregnancy or she wants to, I mean, and have an adoption or anything like that, you're saying that a woman should make this choice for herself. She should not be forced to make this choice that is governed by, you know, religious or, you know, all, all these other factors. And at, at the end of the day, we cannot ask the woman to make a choice that will not be sustainable even after maybe the birth. Because at the end of the day, we, I mean, I, I feel like it's very pretentious to tell the woman when to give birth, yet afterwards, no one really cares. There's a, there's a time affiliated with when is the appropriate time to have a medical abortion, am I correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit about that? So, um, according to WHO, it's up to 12 weeks. Uh, but when you visit our website, we'll tell you up to 10 weeks. Because it's safer that way, you are sure that at least 95%, if a woman decides to go for the medical abortion, um, up to 10 weeks, it is going to work. It has, uh, it has been classified as one of the safest procedures in the world, safest medical procedures in the world. And the good thing about it is that you can self-administer. You don't always need to go to a service provider to have it done. It's like asking, I mean, if a woman is able to administer her own contraceptives, why would it be so hard to have her own medical abortion? So up to 10 weeks, it's very safe. Um, after that, we advise women to visit a service provider because of obvious reasons. It's more advanced, and at the end of the day, we need the woman to be safe. So up to 10 weeks, a woman can do it by herself. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I mean, if you go on the website, that's that's what we would advise. There's actually so the two methods have different um, success rates. So if you use the combination with mifepristone and misoprostol, it's nine women out of ten uh, without any complication. And then if you use the misoprostol only, it will be eight out of ten without complication. And obviously. Um, well, you'll find all the information on pink shoes to, to follow the right protocol because you, you need to follow the right information. I mean, it's like the birth control, right? You also need to follow the right information. And on Safe to Choose, we would have the counselor also like guiding you throughout the process, uh, being there with you, answering your email or live chatting with you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy to do it, to do it yourself. Uh, and even if there are complications, um, it, it's easy to manage and we will be there to like explain what to do and if you need to go to a hospital and what to say. Um, is, is there somebody available to talk to these ladies like 24 hours a day? Uh, almost. 
Okay. Not not all the time because we don't have twenty four seven at the moment. Okay. But um, but you would have counselors that are everywhere in the world and who will be able to respond to you as soon as possible. Yes, correct? as soon as in the in the next uh, like twenty four hours. Okay. So I mean, just to give you an idea, last year we helped twenty five thousand women by email and about. 10,000 10, by live chat from everywhere around the oh, world. So there's a live chat option yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's perfect. So, um, yeah, and we, we helped connect the women to the services in more than 70 countries. Uh, so it's really everywhere. And we have counselors that are speaking um, English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Hindi. Uh, we hope to recruit more and to speak other languages, obviously, so that it's adapted to every woman in the culture. So if anyone is interested, okay. <laughs> please oh. just go on safetotoos.org. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, like I said, all the details will be available in the description box below. Um, maybe you could share with us some of the myths that we could debunk surrounding abortion. Yeah. So how how do we how do we address the stigma uh, and try and reduce that? Because obviously that's that's the main problem. Well, first of all, um, there's a lot of myths. We can go through them, but the main one is that abortion is rare and it never happens, uh, and that's that's not true. It's a very common Ignorance. event. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, yeah, or like trying to not look at the truth, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it happens every day to a lot of women from different uh, walks of life. Like, it doesn't really matter. It can really happen to anyone. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very old procedure, actually. It's not, you know, people think that, oh, it's coming from the West and... But it's not. I mean, there's some recording from, like, Egyptian time and it's always been there. It's always been... Uh, stigmatized procedure but it's always been used for women so it happens a lot uh, actually even 25 percent of the pregnancy worldwide will end in an abortion uh, which represents 50 million abortion a year so it's yeah wow those yeah. are big numbers one out of four so yeah it's, it's definitely not a rare thing and and half of them are unsafe that's the problem mm. um so let's yeah try and destigmatize this that's what we hear today yeah. uh, some of the other myths are that it causes infertility uh, cancer and it, it doesn't it doesn't i mean infertility i understand where it's coming from because obviously if you go to an unsafe procedure and and it can lead to having uh you know problem afterwards to conceive because you've had an infection or but if you go to a safe procedure there's absolutely zero um it's it's very safe so there's no there's no way you're gonna like lose your fertility and actually women have several abortions throughout their lives sometimes so it does prove that you you can conceive afterwards you can actually after a medical abortion you can actually get pregnant again in the next eight days so it's a myth that is not true that it causes depression as well but the only thing that causes depression is the stigma around and what the pressure the women are going through after having an abortion and, and keeping keeping it secret when sharing your experience is actually what you know makes you like cope with whatever you need to cope with but i, I believe that that could also be a double-edged sword because um also who you share your in, your information with because it's so stigmatized people have already form an opinion about you they start to call you names you know um, but also a question that I think is important is a lot of young girls 
who are having unprotected sex and who are wanting to then have abortions, but then who are having numerous abortions. I mean, it's it's easy for us to say, I suppose, like you you mentioned earlier, that there's no repercussions, so you know it can't it doesn't cause infertility. But the, is there a too much? No, actually, <laughs> actually, no. There's um, medical abortion is so safe, and it's basically like an extension on, of the birth control that that technically you could have as many as you want, and without as long as you following the procedure. There, there is no harm done at all to your body. If you do an unsafe procedure, or yeah, that's a possibility. But no, and it's an argument that people are using a lot. Like, yeah, if you if you legalize it, people are going to use it uh, all the time. They're going to use a it as a form of contraception. Yeah, well, technically, contraception. No, but technically, medical abortion could be if you wanted to. Uh, I mean, you know, this is we're putting the information out there. We're putting the option. We're trusting the woman to make the choice that is right for themselves. Like, if they decide to, to use that as a contraceptive, that's their choice. You know, they, they, if they decide to have an implant, an IUD, this is what they want to do with their body. And we're not here to judge. And as long as they're safe and the science is there to prove that there's no, there's no complication, there's no, like, yeah, consequence to that procedure, then then it's empowering the woman with whatever they want to do. Is there an age limitation uh, to women to like who have access to the pill? The age of consent. It's a very interesting topic because um, when you're discussing the age of consent and you're discussing the punishment that comes with defilement or something like that, it's very um, different if it's minors who are involved or it's a minor and an adult who are involved. But um, according, according to the laws on sexual reproductive rights of adolescent, I think you're allowed to provide contraceptive services to an adolescent. Um, if, uh, if the parents consent to it as well, is that? Um, from the age of 15, I think they don't, if they don't need the parents' consent. Really? Yeah. What I know is, on issues of abortion, that one is very... It's very restricted. In fact, they don't, I, I don't think the law has anticipated um, having people who are underage trying to get the service. And that is why sometimes they say that the law is a bit pre pretentious. Mm. Uh, because um, when this, when, when a minor, of course, has to get such a procedure, who, uh, I mean, according to the law, any procedure, whether surgical or the, the, the parent has to sign. So it's a very blurred line there. No one really talks about it, and I don't think it has really been covered by the law. Even though a lot of these unsafe abortions are happening in high schools. Unfortunately. So... With minors. I think, I mean, I understand that's a bit of a controversial subject, though there have been a case in India recently where I think it was an 11-year-old uh, young girl who was uh, raped, and she couldn't access the services, uh, medical abortion, which would have been safe for her, and she had to carry the pregnancy, which ended up killing her. So at that age, anywhere when you are too young, um, it's it's way more dangerous to carry a pregnancy to term than to do a medical abortion. So especially if it came from um, an incest or rape or like yeah, definitely go for a medical abortion, which would be totally safe. Um, yeah. compared to carrying the pregnancy. But um, I'm also thinking about um, the case of Ethiopia, where you can get um, safe termination in case of rape. So what if it was 
someone, a, a child, a minor. a minor. It means that that is allowed in that context. So I think uh, at the end of the day, it's about the context, because um, but people have they, they really don't discuss um, this age in specific because again, culture, religion assumes that um, these are kids and they're not having sex and nothing is happening. But we have evidence that um, kids are having sex from the age of 11. Sex debut has, the age of sex debut has really reduced. And um, they may not be having it with an adult, but among themselves, and we have so many cases of um, unwanted pregnancies. So I think at the end of the day, if you're talking about a woman's right, if you, that, that is the only approach that you can use, a human right-based approach and say that, this is a woman, whether it's a young girl or an older woman. This is a woman, and um, she needs this service. So how do we make it possible for her to access this service? And sometimes that happens um, outside the legal context. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. legal context has, has to the, move. The legal, also, the legal change. context is very gray. Yeah. All bad things happen in gray areas. Yeah. But it would have to adapt. <laughs> like, it can never catch up, you know? And yeah. it, it can't really catch up with the youth as well. But it, it's happening, but yeah, it's a bit slow to catch up. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting um, how, how much of information is not out there. Because, um, I mean, um, safe, well, not safe to choose, how to use has only existed since 2015. And our numbers keep growing, meaning that there's a lot of people who are coming to the website to seek information. And you'll be surprised because um, some of the countries where we are getting numbers are countries like um, India, where there's a lot of those restrictions where that young girl died. Mm. Um, actually, uh, actually, it's very legal in India. India? <laughs> yeah, it's very oh, legal in yeah, India. It's, it's legal. No, I'm saying in terms of uh, cultural practices. Mm. Yeah, cultural practices and the stigma. So people are using now the alternatives. And uh, some of our, the platforms that are coming up, the online platforms, is where the only place where they are getting answers. And like last year, 2017, we had uh, 525, more than 525 visits on uh, the How to Use website. That is the Pink Shoes website. Um, so that is more than half a million people coming to get information about um, how to use uh, abortion pill, coming to get information about medical abortion. And in, in Africa, the, 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 the leading country was Tanzania, you know, where the, the culture is very restrictive, followed by Nigeria. Then there was South Africa, where, like we said, abortion is legal, but still... I don't think there's enough information, so people have to go the looking. stigma is still very high. Yeah, looking for alternatives. Then Kenya was number four, and Ghana was number five. Wow. So it means there's a, there's a real thirst for information. And uh, just bet between uh, January and uh, March, we had about 63,000. Just visits. this year, 2018. Just this year, 2018. Wow. So that means that as much as we have... Um, laws that allow abortion in some places um we still have so many other what she, she called the, the the what do you call invisible barrier. the invisible <laughs> barriers there are so many that women are looking for alternatives and i think this is uh, very important for it's very important for women to know that there are platforms out here especially in this digital era that there are platforms out here that are willing to give them this information 
so that they can get these services whether it is a minor, whether it is an older woman, whether it is a married woman, because another myth is that people assume that abortion is just being done by, you know, young, young women happy go lucky uh-huh, yeah. in university, but even married women are seeking these services. Actually, more married women. Like there's um, there's numbers. I think it's 35 for a thousand uh, women married, and only 26. Four thousand unmarried, so wow. it's actually more. You know, it's in, in developing countries where you have uh, already, you know, six children, and you don't have the financial means to add another child, you know, to your family. So it's not, yeah, the myth about the young girls, you know, having like sex mm-hmm. all the time, and that's why not using contraceptive. It's not necessarily true. Uh, it's it's anyone. It's really any woman in the world. Yeah, but just to. Add on what um, Lillian was saying. So she's talking about this information gap, like why why women are looking for for information online. Well, I mean, first of all, there's so much information, uh, wrong information out there. So obviously, that's what we're here for to try and and spread the right the right information. And second is um, why do they come on our website? Is also because the people that they meet. On on the ground, like pharmacists or like doctors, sometimes don't have the right training. They don't get the right information.、Um, there's again a lot of studies on that.、Um, like in Kenya, for example, there was a study on on pharmacists that only like 13 percent、uh, were trained on abortion,、uh, on medical abortion. So they can't give the right. Information if they don't know if they haven't been trained themselves. So yeah, this is why like sometimes they can get the the pills on their own, but they would need to get the right protocol or talk to someone, and that's that's why we're here. Yeah, and how to use has actually just launched in March. We launched an e-learning course for pharmacists because、um, we felt like this is a very important、um, service provider who has been left out because.、Um, In in most medical schools, pharmacists are not considered to be service providers; they are considered to be people who dispense drugs. So when the rest of the guys are being trained about how drugs are used, how to administer, for them they are not trained on that. So、um, the only alternative would be such a, a platform where they can come and just access this information because they deal every day with the young girls. And our e-learning course is very simple; it's in a very simple language. It has six modules. And you can find it in text, in video or audio. The videos are like five minutes each. So meaning that if you do five times six, thirty minutes, you're done.、Um, understanding what is medical abortion, who who you should uh, who should uh, accept this kind of a service, and any pharmacist who goes through this course can actually administer the medical abortion pills safely to the girls. Because there are cases whereby, like misoprostol. A girl is supposed to use twelve of them, and、um, the the safest way of administration is、uh, is is by putting them under the tongue or between the cheek and the the the, the gum here. So a lot of girls will go and buy, and then they just take with water, you know, thinking that this is how to do it. And then they say, "Oh, my abortion failed." Yet it's because the person who was selling to them did not give them the right instructions. So when A pharmacist is able to access our website. He can even download it, and yet just put those instructions on the page. And when they're administering, I mean, when they're selling the the the, the misoprostol to the girls, they can always tell them. So these are the instructions. We're just discovering that there's a new challenge for us, 
because um, some of these girls are too vulnerable to afford a smartphone. Okay, got it. So it's easier to reach them through a pharmacist. Or if they have a smartphone, they cannot afford data. Yeah. So the pharmacist will be a better link to them okay. to and get to, to our informational website. Instructions. Okay. Yes. Understood yes. completely. Understood. Yeah. So yeah, like Pinchers is doing the this course for the pharmacists, but even I think uh, I think you guys are going to also do one for the medical student yes. because we've all realized that the the medical student are also most of the time not trained and not necessarily in Africa but like everywhere even in the US because you have this thing called conscientious objection so you are allowed to refuse to learn uh, about medical abortion if you want oh. you're also allowed in most country to refuse to to procure uh, an abortion you can say as no. a medical practitioner yes so are yeah. you also allowed to you said you're allowed to refuse to sell it no no i mean we don't we don't want to but like medical but are you doctors to, is, is it your choice like if you're if you're anti-abortion and somebody comes to the pharmacy to buy the medical abortion pills as a med- yeah. medical practitioner you can refuse to sell them S- yeah, yeah, you technically you can, but you should um, you should refer to someone else, which no one does. Okay. Uh, it's a big problem in, in South Africa where it's legal, but but doctors most of the time refuse, and they and they say no, no, I you know it's against my beliefs, so I don't want to do it. And they're legally obliged to refer to someone else, but sometimes okay. they don't. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a big problem. So. So there's a lack of training in the medical student as well. Um, and that's, yeah, that's also why we're here. Yes. Okay. We do a lot of um, uh, on-the-ground training, uh, you know, offline uh, to try and meet those um, those doctors. Because, I mean, the question, it doesn't matter medical abortion or surgical abortion. Like the question of abortion, we want to improve the situation and the context Um so partnership uh, are very important for us and, and working with providers. Um, we actually um, Safe to Choose and How to Use partnering with other organizations on this big uh, global survey that we're launching soon to, to try and talk to the provider everywhere in the world and trying to get a sense of what are the challenges that they're facing every day and mostly like the stigma that, that they are facing as provider because, okay, we don't talk enough about women's experience um, regarding abortion, but we talk even less about what the providers are facing. Yeah. The good people that are providing this work, um, this this service to the women, like some of them put their life at risk to, to provide women with access to their human rights and health rights. So... Um, so yeah, we're launching this this big survey to try and collect information and see what what's happening on the ground for them. And then once we collect and analyze and work together to see how we can address those challenges and what do the provider need to do the job better and feel better about it as well, because they are human rights defender uh, because yeah. they provide human rights. Of course, that makes sense. Okay. Um, in conclusion, do we have anything that you would like to wrap up with? Um, yeah, I, there's one thing that I wanted to talk about is, uh, obviously, um, we all think that internet is, uh, a free space where you can access all the information. And as I said earlier, there's a lot of wrong information out there and it feels like, um, you know, this freedom of speech that we're all supposed to have, the anti-abortion seems to have it more than the pro-choice people. 
um, because they're allowed to say everything that they want. And obviously on our side, we feel like we kind of have to go underground to talk about human rights. And uh, recently, actually, there's been a lot of online censorship about what we've been doing as a website. And it's not only pink shoes and safety shoes, it's also a lot of other websites. So um, I don't know if you've heard of Women on Web, Women Help Women and Safe Safe to Choose. We, we do the same thing. Um, and one after the other, our YouTube accounts have been taken down. So it's, it's really hard for all of us to promote the information if those big groups that are supposed to promote the you know freedom of information and access to life-saving information for women because it is a procedure that is being recommended by the WHO yeah. um, and and facing this censorship so uh, with this censorship and with like I think you mentioned earlier that even your Instagram page was pulled down yeah so so but is it because there's people out there who are um, sort of like sp uh, spamming you and reporting you to to Instagram because I know on the spread Instagram page a lot of our stuff and very recently has been pulled down a lot of our content but I'm pretty sure it's because some hater is out there going <laughs> report 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 and that's what happens I mean if people left you alone you'd probably be fine yeah yeah probably <laughs> yeah there's a, there's there's a lot of people doing that probably we, we still don't really know the reason why but Instagram um, account was also taken down uh, so the Spanish and Portuguese version never came back so we have to we had to start from scratch our advertising is also very do you restricted. have to censor the language now that you're using we have to be careful because some on Facebook for example some of the ads are not uh, you can't running yeah you can't run them because you're using some language that then they don't accept uh, I mean, basically, they say that we are violating the guideline because we generate content that encourages or promotes violent or dangerous acts that have, like, risk to the physical health of the woman, which we don't. Bastards. Like, if we don't have this information <laughs> online, women, women will, will die. That's, and in this yeah. day and age, I mean, that's where everybody's at going to access their information. Exactly. they're censoring you there... They're, they've already censored you everywhere else. I mean, if they censor you online, like, what does the future it, hold? Especially in such a stigmatized procedure where you can't really talk about anyone about that. So where do you go? You go online. Mm -hmm. And then, well, you have those big uh, corporations that are just censoring you. So that's a big problem. And there have been um, a lot of organizations, like about 50 organizations that came together to, to write this letter to to YouTube uh, and they've been asking for a meeting and to try and, you know, like understand why, uh, the reason why. I mean, being in this line of work, talking about sexuality, um, talking about sexual reproductive health, it's it's all very borderline. Anything can happen to you at any time. So I know that at any point my Instagram page could be shut down or my YouTube page because I'm doing videos of talking about like things really candidly. So um, a lot of people in the in the industry have been complaining about those guidelines and maybe they just need to make some changes. Maybe this Zuckerberg court thing is going to change yeah, everything. <laughs> so in relation to what Pauline is talking about, uh, Google has also started restricting our content um, for example, uh, we have been restricted from referring our users to Safe to Choose website. And like she said, they have, some of their platforms have been shut down. So we're thinking that um, they're not just shutting them down, they're also restricting other people from accessing. And um, I think it's high time we come together and just uh, spoke in one voice against that kind of censorship. Because the bottom line is, 
once a woman decides that she wants to have a termination of pregnancy, not even the religious groups, not the legal restrictions, not anyone can stop can her. Stop her. Mm -hmm. She will go ahead and... And however she chooses to do it. Yeah, and however she chooses to do it. So the question here is, are we helping her to do it in the safest possible way? Or are we just, uh, you know, burying everything under the sand and assuming that nothing is happening? So, and, and I think uh, we should start having more conversations around this issue of abortion and start asking very um, deep questions. But I think most of the conversations that I had, they're just based on very shallow thinking, based on personal opinions, based on someone's um, you know, uh, preferences. And I don't think that is fair to any woman. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's the perfect way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Thank you guys so much. Thanks um, for having us. I really so appreciate so you guys being a part of season two of The Spread. Yay. <laughs> yeah, looking so forward happy. to listening to all the new podcasts. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. And once again, for anybody who's tuned in right now, all the information is available on whatever podcast app you've d decided to listen or to download on all the information is available in the description box and how to reach both safe to safe to choose and pink shoes <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes it's like a like write a song hi my name is patricia kihoro i'm from kenya nairobi and uh, today i'm happy to report that we had a small incident on Twitter where Boniface Mwangi, a well-known activist, um, tweeted a picture of a sculpture at the airport, the international airport in Nairobi, of two wildebeest, uh, one about to mount the other. And he tweeted, hey, Ezekiel Mutua, there's a wildebeest sculpture at JKIA that requires your intervention, with three laughing emojis. So he was clearly just, you know, taking the mickey out of him. But of course, our Dr. Ezekiel Mutua, MBS, responded. And this is what he had to say. This sculpture is bizarre and thoughtlessly obscene. The sexual connotation depicted in this sculpture adds no value to the marketing of Kenya to tourists arriving or leaving JKIA. It's the work of a dirty mind trying cheaply to sell their creativity. It is not different from the dirty minds who sexualize adverts on TV or on outdoor advertising. This sculpture would not lose any value if the animals were simply grazing in their natural habitation. The mounting aspect sends a wrong message and the sculpture must change. It fails our suitability criteria for content or information meant for public exhibition. The board will not tolerate such bizarre ads and marketing strategies that are meant to create unnecessary sexual innuendo. We need to sober up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are here for you. Please don't forget to write us host at thespreadpodcast.com. Let us know what your thoughts were regarding this very deep and intricate podcast that we just listened to. Let us know if there's anything else that you would like us to touch up on. And please don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Don't forget to follow us on our social media networks and please go out and get those tickets for The Spread Live. We will see you on Wednesday, the 30th of May. Bye. I won't beg 
Thank mm-hmm. you.